Bissell Brothers in uh, Portland, Maine. It's uh, called uh, Reciprocal. It's a uh, uh, mosaic IPA. Favorite artist is J. Cole. Tortellini with pesto. Bruce Beast and Easter Podcast. I am Old Head Ed, your host. Thank you for joining us again another week, another episode. Um, Bruce Beast and Eats is a proud member of the South Florida Media Gang. Uh, I suggest and I implore everybody who's listening to this, make sure you go out there and check out WDDH Radio, uh, WVCC Scythe Life Radio, two nights a week on Twitch. And definitely can't go without mentioning the homies, uh, Human Sushi. The podcast on YouTube, uh, they just hit their 100th episode maybe about three weeks ago, and um, they're doing big things, um, and all part of a great movement, man, I, I mean, if I don't say so myself, not just because I'm part of that, but yeah, man, all quality content, like I said, go check them out, WDDH, SoundCloud, uh, WVCC, Twitch, two nights a week, and uh, Human Sushi Podcast on, on YouTube for the visuals and streaming platforms for the audio and that brings us to this podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss beer, music, and food. But before we talk about beer, music, and food, we get to know our guests. Um, and again, another week, another special guest. And uh, it's it's interesting because this guest comes via via another state through another podcast. Uh, shouts to Turntable Teachers. They put me on to this gentleman here. And, um, and who would have known that I don't know, maybe a year, a yearish later, we're actually sitting in the same state. Um, he's he's migrated down south, and now we're able to put together this uh, this episode. Now I'm speaking of none other than Mr. Timelines himself, Virgil. What's going on, man? What's good, bro? Hey, listen, uh, we're here. Like you said, like you said before, we set this off. The weather's great. We're over here. Oh, actually, yeah. Let me mention that one time. Uh, this podcast sometimes goes beyond the four walls of a studio. Or a house. <laughs> Sometimes we hit the road. This time is one of those occasions, and we're over at Lost City Brewing in North Miami. Um, shouts to Lost City Brewing. Uh, the beers that we're going to be sampling later on are, are going to be four of Lost Beers, uh, Lost City's uh, core beers. So we're definitely going to get into those. But I just wanted to say shouts to Lost City. Come check it out, North Miami. Look, do your Googles, check out uh, the maps and whatnot, <laughs> and get out here and have a beer. Um, but again, so going back to um, being outdoors, um, enjoying the weather. You were mentioning that it's 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 a total 180 from the weather you're normally used to, because you're originally from New England, the Boston area. Yes, sir. I uh, I was born in Connecticut. Okay. Um, moved to uh, Boston after college. I actually did my college at Florida State University. Go set, oh, so, go Noles. Okay. So, yeah, so I've been back and forth a little bit, but it's so nice being here in the winter again and not having to deal with the 12 degree weather, the snowstorms, the 
uh, frozen rain, the hail, all that yeah. shit. No fun being stuck indoors, like not not feeling the need or not. Well, actually, maybe feeling the need to travel in the weather, but yeah. then realizing this is not weather to travel in, so you it, stay home. Exactly. I think one of the biggest things that I was realizing is two or three months out of the year, I was mentally in a bad place due to the weather, yeah. and and that's. That's not a good way to live, I don't mm, think. So this, yeah. was a, this was a necessary move for me. Nice, nice. Yo, well, welcome to South Florida, man. I know I said it before, but <laughs> we'll make it official on the podcast. Yeah, it's know? good to be here. Dope. All right, so so you mentioned uh, mentioned Connecticut. You mentioned Boston. Um, let's talk about your upbringing as far as where music was involved. Sure, yeah. Uh, my dad was in bands. I kind of grew up uh, with like the folk scene, with the 60s, 70s rock. Uh, with uh, our early R&B, uh, Marvin Gaye, um, and then obviously growing up in the 90s, there was a huge hip hop influence, and uh, and through the 2000s, so yeah, yeah, it was, it was a wide variety. I, I'd say the only kind of music I didn't really listen to growing up was country, country music. Country, it, country it, it, gets still, it all the time. Still, yeah, I, I hate to pile on the hatred on country music, <laughs> yeah. but still to this day, that's probably the only genre where I, I'm, I'm really, I don't have yeah. time for it. But got you. I'll go from anywhere from classical to folk rock, jazz. I, I love jazz music. Okay. Um, and, th- and that's really pushed my interest in uh, jazz style hip hop beats, boom bap beats, and lo-fi mm. hip hop. Okay. Yeah. The, um, you mentioned hip hop. You mentioned growing up in a musical family. Um, at, at what point did you decide that you wanted to maybe try your hand at music in general? Yeah, it took a while actually. My uh, my focus for a long time was poetry, so okay. that's really what set everything off. And uh, it seemed like a natural transition as I've always been a huge hip hop fan, and I was spending all that time writing. And those two are obviously correlated, connected, and uh, and one thing led to another. True. But I probably didn't ma- start recording anything until my sophomore year at college or junior year at college. So okay. it took a while to manifest. Got you. Got you. <coughs> Did um. So you <coughs> you went to Florida State. Yeah. And uh, sophomore year of college, you started getting. Were you there at the time when they were doing the? They had like that. Uh, because shouts to King Tetris. King Tetris was also up there. I want, I'm trying to see if I could maybe get you guys around there around the same time where he said that the, when he was on the show, he said that there was a, uh, I guess there was like a, a student group that would put together ciphers. Uh-huh. So you were there at that time? Or was that something that you were uh, able to? I, I think that was, I think that was actually a little bit before me, uh, before okay. my time there. But, um, and I was really, at that time, I was in the artistic growth stage, I think. I wasn't really putting music out. Okay. It was more uh, so just figuring out the formula, uh, figuring out recording. Got you. Making me not sound like a little bitch. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so in other words, that despite that you were starting, that was like the, 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 the beginning stages of, of your musical career. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't something that everybody was aware of, is what no. you're saying? No, yeah. Okay. It was, it you, was, was, you was in the lab working. It was very formative at that point. Like, okay. I was listening to myself. I was recording. I was figuring out all the things that you need to be able to um, function as an independent musician. I didn't have an engineer. I didn't mm. have a coach. Like I, I was doing <laughs> the hard work myself. I was listening to music. I was recording, and it sounded terrible. And to this day, I've kept... My early recordings on my computer as a reminder of where I started and where I am yeah. now. 
because that's how you know you don't know where you're going unless you know where you came from. Exactly. That's that's excellent. The um, it's funny that you described like you know I didn't have an engineer, I didn't have you know uh, I didn't have someone who could kind of show me the ropes. That kind of sounds like the beginning of hip hop where people were they were just taking from other genres or whether whether it was bebop or scat or whatnot and uh, or blues and and they didn't know what they were going on but this is something that they kind of started doing and to stop to see where it would take them and so that's it's funny that you even years down the line okay. the, the 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 core value the core essence of hip-hop you know taking some making something out of nothing you're, you're still applying it yeah absolutely and I think so much of different genres of music contribute to hip-hop and contribute to each artist so for example growing up I was a huge Bob Dylan fan okay and I'll, I'll never forget my dad saying to me a uh, Bob Dylan when I was young Bob Dylan was the first rapper and I was like you gotta get out of here with that shit that's like <laughs> yeah. that's some racist ass bullshit but <laughs> but like me, me and my dad uh, talked about that a lot and yeah. it, it turns out years later and even to this day I'm still studying Dylan's intonation his delivery wow. yeah. and applying that to my music so wow. like where where I don't want to like pass that credit uh, to, <laughs> yeah, to where it belongs at the same time my dad was right in a sense and that, yeah. that every artist has uh, something that you can add to your artistic toolbox uh, something that you can use yeah no definitely definitely man the, hey the blueprint's been laid out there um, we're not always maybe susceptible to noticing it, noticing it or, or acknowledging it but yeah the, the blueprint is out there definitely and they always, they always say there's really nothing new under the sun. Yeah. So I'm sure that this, you know, whatever, whenever Dylan was doing his thing, somebody turned around and goes, you know, uh, you know, somebody who was listening to Dylan, somebody before them was probably going, oh, you know what he does? Yeah. Somebody else used to do. Yeah. It's a, it's a never-ending cycle of inspiration. You, you're, Correct. We're all, in, in all facets of life, we're inspired by the generation before us and what people have done before us. So, um it's interesting when you hear people talk about the idea that no idea is original. Mm -hmm. I don't really buy that, but okay. I think that every each new layer or each new uh, era of uh, musical genre is inspired by the last. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they put their they put their mark, their signature on it. Yeah. No, excellent. Um, at what point? Um, I'm I'm in a rush to get into timelines, but I don't want to sure. jump into timelines just yet. So. Uh, let's go back to college. You, you're, you're figuring things out. Yeah. Uh, the moment that you feel like, okay, now I feel comfortable enough with with what I've learned uh -huh. to actually put a project together and then and then maybe show it to people. It was four years probably from okay. the time that I started. It, it was a lot of work. I was had other interests. I was in college. I was being a maniac. All that <laughs> stuff. But yeah. It you got you to save time for being it, the exactly. I, life. Had to, I had to grow up too. Yeah. So it wasn't until I'd say maybe three or four years after college where I was really focused on music and that okay. was something that I dedicated a lot of time to. Gotcha. Um, and it was there that I started to learn how to record. I started to come into contact with people who could really push me forward mm. and, uh, and were supports. And I, I still, one of, the, one of the key ingredients to me being able to do what I do is uh, my friend Matt Sear. Okay. He's my uh, he's my engineer. He produces for me uh, occasionally, and he's he's just such a big resource for me to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can be doing to make the best quality music I can. So uh, I'd say part part of it was getting to where I needed to be 
figuring out the process and then meeting the right people along the way too. Got you. Yo, shout out to Matt Sear. Um, what, at what point did you, where is Matt Sear from? Where did you meet him? Matt Sear and I, uh, after college, I moved back to Connecticut for a while. Okay. Um, and we had a, we had a house in Willimantic, Connecticut, which is um, known as the heroin capital of the Northeast. Wow. But um, it's also the location of uh, the college, Eastern Connecticut State University. Okay. And I had a lot of friends there at the time, and we had a we had a house. Um, well, my friend had a house, and it was a big party house, and we would go there. There were probably five or six different rappers who would consistently show up. There okay. were a handful of producers from EDM artists, uh, my homie Dracula, um, my uh, my boy Hookie was there. He's a, a pretty successful rapper. And so, like, a, a wide variety of artists who had a huge impact on me uh, specifically. But it was really just about having us all in that one place and experimenting and gotcha. and really celebrating our uh, our artistry. Nice, nice. All right, I'm going to jump into it. I can't wait anymore. All right. One of the first projects, one of the first projects I heard from you, the first project you dropped after I had heard of you, that's that's probably the best way to phrase it. Um, was timelines? Yeah. Um, but excellent, <laughs> excellent project. Yeah. Appreciate uh, that. Much props to you um, uh, from the front to the end. Um, Stargazer's my joint. Well, no, Gray Matter. I like Gray Matter because Gray Matter has three ball, uh, the three verses. Yeah. And me coming from the era where that was like your, that was the way before people started complaining about attention spans and yeah. and don't do a song so long because nobody <laughs> people are gonna and and listen also coming from an era where three bars were common but there were a lot of times that third bar was kind of like they just put it in there yeah to make the song long it wasn't really necessary uh-huh. uh great matter i think to me has three full bars meaning every bar adds on i mean i keep saying bar every verse yeah every verse adds on to the last one it's 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 got a continuity to it, which is great. True. Um, uh, dope, dope song. So I think that's why Great Matter for me is kind of like my favorite song on the album. But that doesn't mean that the rest of them aren't dope as shit. Timelines. When did you start putting that together? Uh, give, us the, give us the timeline on timeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the timelines for timeline actually worked out real perfect because I started making the project probably uh a year and a couple months ago so maybe like january 2020 wow okay so um i started writing then and i was working full time still and then the pandemic hit and mm. uh, i think my school shut down in february mm. and it was a tough time i was out of work um mm. i was trying to figure out what i want to do right now i was doing gotcha. some freelance writing on the side and it just kind of came to light i was uh I started writing one song, then the next, and it just started coming together. And with all that free time, I, I kind of I flew through it. it. Nice. It was probably, I probably completed the project if I started in January and maybe March. Wow. And then, uh, and then there's all the things that go into it after that. The, yeah. The mixing and mastering, the, um, the promotion, all, all, the, all the parts of uh, preparing a project for release. Yeah. Um, the cover art. Um, I work with an artist named Ranzu. Uh, okay. She's a actually a doctor from uh, hmm. what country is she from? 
You might. Uh, she's in Germany. Okay. And uh, and she's actually designing a pro, uh, cover for my EP, uh, an EP that I'm going to be releasing soon right okay. now too. Um, nice, nice. So there's all those different components that go into a project, but as far as the music's concerned, I was I was done in a couple months with, really? uh, with all that free time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's excellent. And it's not like you went back and dug into old tracks like this was uh, this was uh, one song was an old track. Okay, guess which, which one? Great matter. Great matter. <laughs> Great matter. Great Matter is probably a joint from 2016. Really? Yeah. So I re- I re-recorded. Okay. Um, same I, same beat and everything. There was no yeah. nothing, nothing changed other than I, I I laid down the third. I I re-recorded the third verse. Yeah. But if you listen to the song, you can hear like the the lack of maturity in my voice okay. in that song. It's, okay. Okay. Like, it's a you can hear that I'm younger and like you can hear that my voice hasn't developed. As you much. know what? This is the best. This is the best place to stop and let the people hear Great Matter. Y'all stick around. We're going to play Great Matter for y'all. We'll come back and we'll talk even more about Great Matter and timelines. And maybe we'll get a little information on that EP, that next EP that uh, Virgil is alluding to. So y'all stick around. It's Bruce Beats and Eats. Just a figment of imagination Now I'm racing through these verbs Like I'm a patient Check it out like I'm a patient Of insane asylum I look my father in his eyes Every time that he got violent Hope that when I have a child All those thoughts will be erased No, I'll embrace him Love and raise him In the space of a safe haven Give him everything he needs To grow and prosper Show him what it means To be a loving father You plant a seed You pick the weeds And reap the harvest That's a fact of life This ain't a world of wrong Right a day and night in black and white When elements collide You feel the static I'll take the white and black and on my palette. palette When the hues are true, you find the gray matter What's it matter now? Every day is just a battleground Working hard to find a common ground Days ahead, we just kept down To the gray matter Gray matter Lost my mama, man Long pause, no common damn Hold my tears like a grown-ass man I'ma try and find the promised land Or the gray matter Gray matter I saw the devil in my father's eyes a fear of rose I didn't recognize He raised his hand as I said petrified uh, The blood sprayed like insecticide Only six months removed from that turbulent night When my mother and your wife chose to take her life I can't blame you for the pain But I'm not the one to blame Man, I try to understand that it's just not right Yeah, it's hard for me I just wish we'd live in harmony Come to my games, I'm in varsity Your mind's clogged like an artery I just hope that one day you will find you can pardon me yeah, yeah, it's hard for me I just wish you'd live in harmony I got a job at the pharmacy Your heart's in charge like pottery I love you, Dad, don't be mad I just wish you were a part of What's me What's the matter now? Every day is just a battleground Working hard to find a common ground Days ahead, we just kept them down To the great matter, great matter Lost my mama, man Long pause, no common damn Hold my tears like a grown-ass man I'ma try and find the promised land Or the Gray matter, gray matter My girl gave birth to my firstborn child Can truly say never been this proud His hair's light but his cheeks are brown 
My girl said that he's got my smile It's just crazy that this baby got the traits of my old lady Resurrected what was lost, intersected with my thoughts Disconnected from the memories, forgiving all the enemies Forgetting lust and jealousy, I love you pops Yo, that was Grey Matter. Um, so like I said, Grey Matter, uh, the one song that was recorded in 2016 off a project that was dropped in 2020. Yes, sir. Okay. And, and still, I mean, to me, in my opinion, lived up to it. Um, y'all let me know in the comments what y'all thought about it. Um, so now we find ourselves in timelines. Um, the other thing I noticed the timelines is... There's, which I, I don't know if it's a, it's a, it's something that's done often today by musicians or, or artists, where there's some there's some songs that are just one verse, and there's some songs that are two verses. What what is what is the defining factor for you as far as putting together a song and deciding, yo, this is the time I'll stop right here, or, or is it a matter of like you accomplishing what you wanted to within a within a verse, or is that? That's a great question. Yeah, I, I'd say usually the beat is gonna to me dictate what the song what the song is going to look like okay and, um i'd say often especially in the lo-fi hip-hop community uh producers are making tracks that are two are like two minutes long gotcha it, it's not not extensive but also um you bring up a good point if i if i feel like i've my degree is in creative writing with a focus on poetry mm. and to me good writing means word economy and that is being able to use as little words as possible to tell the story that you yeah. have to use yeah and, and that's really a philosophy that i've stuck to with my poetry and with my music writing and um that uh i'd say that that really dictates the, the length of the song if i okay. feel like i've told the story if i feel like it's a complete song then i don't need it to be a three minute song gotcha um i don't know how familiar you are with the code of the friend no, first but, time I hear it. Um, yeah, Code of the Friend is a um, independent artist out of New York okay. um, who's really blowing up right now, and okay. uh, he just uh, released an album called Lyrics to Go Part Two, and um, it's not a single track is over two minutes and thirty seconds long. Really? Okay. And I really think that's that's a new movement in the music scene and in the hip hop scene in general is understanding that. Um, people don't have the attention span people mm -hmm. are attached to their phones people want quick listens and things that make them them feel rather than than hear mm -hmm. and that's that's a ideology that i've struggled with for a while because uh to me lyricism is the most important part of my music and i'm trying to find a way to appeal to as many people as possible while still not sacrifice the integrity of my writing um, and that's something I'm constantly going back and forth with and yeah. struggling with. But yeah. um, in in the context of timelines, I'd say the, the the songs the songs themselves dictate their length. The length. I, it, it's you. really not something that I sit down and have a preconceived notion about how Got long you. the song's gonna Got be. Got you. Um, and I guess that's just the the evolution of things too. Um, the evolution of hip hop. Uh, I, I I would like to think that maybe. Well, considering that the very first hip hop songs you find, uh, you know, committed to a tape back then, yeah, <clears throat> they were um, <clears throat> what they were were recordings of a party. 
So you would get seven, eight minute long songs yeah. because this is what you were supposed to put in at, in your tape deck at the house with a bunch of friends over. And you and that was your DJ. Uh-huh. So I'm just gonna put this tape in this deck, let it play, and this is and then when it's done, I'll flip it over. <laughs> and that was that was the party. Um, sure. And then and you know through time they started. Uh, I'm imagining uh, uh, minimizing the length of the song for radio play. Yeah. Um, so on and so forth, which I think maybe the late night DJs probably use the longer songs where like they could walk away from the fours, uh-huh. use the restroom or whatever. But. Uh, but yeah, so through times, and I guess it's only right that if we went from 7, 8, 15, 7, 8, it was super rapid, I think it was a 12-minute song or something, but to the point where, you know, we had three-minute songs, and then now we have two-minute songs, yeah. I guess it's just an evolution of things. Uh, I think it's I think it's also, uh, artists think a lot about replay value now, okay. too, and okay. to me, when I think about when I'm consuming music or if someone else is consuming music... Um, are they going? Are they willing to sit through a three-minute and forty-five-second song mm-hmm. multiple times, mm-hmm. or are they more likely to play back a two-minute song that's fire for two min- two straight minutes yeah. over and over again? Yeah. So it's and I don't think there's any right answer really. It's I, not, I think yeah. I think I've made four-minute songs that I like. I've made two-minute songs that I like, and I've made two-minute songs that I hate, and I've made four-minute <laughs> songs that I hate. Like. It doesn't matter. <laughs> So speaking about music you're making, you alluded to an EP that might be coming out. What's what? What can you give us? What can you? Yeah, tell yeah. Us? I can't. I can't give away too much. Right no, now. I don't want you. I don't but, want you to. <laughs> um, it's brief. Okay. It's lo-fi hip hop. I've had an opportunity to work with an MC that I've wanted to work with for a long time, which okay. is exciting. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll give you one name. Uh, my my dude, Asthmatic, out of Chicago. Okay. Um, he's Shouts a, to Asthmatic. He's a, yeah, he's a feature on the uh, on the title track. And then um, I'm uh, also working with a, um, an Australian R&B singer. Okay. Which I'm excited about. Shit. Um, Wait, is it, um, it's not, um, I, I wish I could remember her name now. It's not the young lady that uh, that Mike had on Turntable Teachers, was it? No, no. no di- okay. Yeah, diff- different lady. Her name's okay. uh, Alizé. Okay. Um, okay. And she's, yeah, she's out of Australia. Okay. Um, and the one of the cool things about this EP is... One of the songs has already been released for almost eight months, so nice. it's gonna be it's gonna be a three pa- uh, three track project, nice and compact. Okay. And uh, I'm I'm really excited about it. It's it's some of my best writing. Okay, excellent, excellent. That's and me being a fan of lyricism, I'm always looking for good writing. Um, production, production, three different tracks, three different producers. Nope, same oh, producer, same all producer. three. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a man who. Uh, really made some nice progress in the lo-fi hip-hop okay. scene and uh, I've, I've been doing a lot of experimental music uh, music that's I'd say outside of my bread and butter mm-hmm. uh, leading up to this project okay and it felt like time to to go back to my comfort zone got and, you and one of the things that I like to do a lot is really is get out of lo-fi hip-hop or get out of like jazz influenced hip-hop experiment with different genres and then come back to it mm-hmm. with the uh with the information with the the skills that i've gained from doing different kinds of music okay. and every time that i come back it's a little better nice excellent excellent um let's let the people know talking about comfort and comfort zones man i always find comfort in a good beer so we got to get into the brew segment but before we do that virgil let them know where they could find you where they could find the music no doubt so uh 
all streaming services you can find me virgil look for timelines uh, on instagram you can find me virgil raps uh, at virgil raps um and if you need me anywhere else uh feel free to hit me with an email um there you go there you go hey oh, and shouts once again i gotta say shouts to mike over at turntable teachers for putting yes, me sir. on to this good brother and his music um definitely another uh, another podcast you should go out there and follow that's my people's up north in the boston area mike um I'm 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 two and zero oh, man. I, I've met two of the people you've put me on to, and I yet to <laughs> yet to have the opportunity to sit down and have a beer with you. So that's got to change sooner than later. You know, Virgil's, who else do you meet with? You meet with Harold? Hero, yeah. yeah. So Hero pulled up. Yeah, he happened to be in the area, yeah. and that was by like happenstance because I saw that uh, on his IG story he mentioned Fort Lauderdale, and I was like, yeah, we were trying to link when he was down here, but that's yeah. that's cool. You got to. Um, yeah. Did you know me and Hero have a song together? No. Yeah. Off of which project? Uh, it's it's not on any project. Oh, it was just a single. I actually, okay. I had a um, I had a contest a couple years ago. Like I had a I had a verse written and I I didn't feel like finishing the song, so I just put it out there and had okay. people had people send me verses and Hero ended up winning that. Really? So, yeah. Excellent. It's a song's called Earl Grey. You okay. Can find, you can find it on streaming services. Earl Grey, y'all check it out. <laughs> Do that in the meantime, but don't check it out just yet. Stick around. We're gonna talk beer, music, and food. Old head ed, bruised beats and eats. I got Virgil with me. Y'all stay tuned. Big beer, little beer, big beer, little beer, big beer, little beer. Beer, 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 beer. Big beer, little beer, big beer, little beer, big beer, little beer. Beer, 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 beer. Bruce Beats and Eats the podcast. And just as promised in the segment before we have made it to the Bruce segment. Uh, this is the segment where uh Myself, this time around, myself and my guests. Mostly, I, I don't like to have them drink alone, so I usually don't do the I usually don't do the full flight. I'll have like a cup set aside just in case I want to sample one right. of them. But we're at a brewery. If I didn't mention it before, we're at Lost City Brewing, North Miami. Uh, come check them out. Follow them on IG. And uh, while we're here, we might as well have flights of beer. So I had Diego, who was kind enough to give us two flights, prepared two flights. Picked random beers. I like the fact that he picked a little bit of everything. Um, so let, let's get into it. Um, this is the se- oh well. I guess for those who haven't been here before, this is the segment where I get to know my guests' uh, taste in beers. I provide four beers. They try each one, and then uh, we'll get their thoughts on them. Hopefully, he'll share some early beer memories, and eventually we'll get to the point where we'll figure out what he's drinking today. And then before it's all said and done, we'll get a quick one through four, their their most favorite to their least favorite. And um, yeah, man, you ready, Virgil? Yeah, let's do it. Dope. All right, so let's set it off with the very first beer we have here. That is, a lot. they're all from Lost City, so I don't think I'm going to do the repetitive thing and mention Lost City before every beer. But uh, this is the Endless Summer. It's a lager, and it clocks in at a 4.6%. Never tried it before, so I'm going to look forward to trying this. Cheers, my dude. Cheers. Yes. What do you think? It's a very traditional lager. It tastes like high-end Bud Light, high-end mm-hmm. like it's got a little more body than character than like your, tra- your typical traditional lager. But it, if you were to imagine, it's it's like it's in the light of like in that same beer. vein. You're, you're like you're like beer. Correct, correct. First time I'm trying it, and and you hit it on the head. It's got you know it looks like what you would get from your you know your your Publix or your local grocer. Um, but definitely has a little more of a characteristic 
it's not your typical like yeah i could obviously tell i'm i'm drinking this this uh like mass produced yeah you know, it's not beer. watered it's not watered down correct correct um let's get into it man early beer memories um maybe the first okay. time you had a beer the first time you enjoyed a beer uh both For stories sure. <laughs> hit them with it first time i had a beer i was uh I, my family had a party i was probably like 15 16 years old I took a I took a Stella from my grandma's house, brought it home with me, let it sit in my closet for like three weeks before I had the courage to try it. And I remember like sneaking up the the bottle opener to my room and trying it the first time a lukewarm Stella that was three weeks old. And that was the day that I decided that I would never like beer. <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a full blown. Uh, how do you say um? You put a lot of thought. Like, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it was like the Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was very premeditated. <laughs> a beer drink is like, all right. Well, first I gotta, I gotta acquire beer. Then I'm gonna put it away. Let, let the heat die down. And then I gotta find a way to get into, get a bottle over. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so obviously you got to a point where you did like beer. Yeah. So where, where? What was the next step <laughs> in the well, beer experience for you? Um, in the Northeast in general, the like craft brewing scene tended to, I think, blew up a little bit earlier than it did in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, had, I had friends and uh, who, who got into, into the craft beer scene pretty okay. early. And uh, after that, I, I fell in love with IPAs. So nice. that, that's really where... That's where I got my foot in the door was uh, drinking IPAs. And then I think you naturally have a tendency to expand. I'm, I've never really I've never really been a huge like pale ale, por- definitely not porters or stouts. We okay. talked about that earlier. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't have much of a sweet tooth, but um, IPAs for me were always it. Um, yeah. So uh, from there, I started going to, to local breweries. Uh, Boston has two absolutely superb breweries uh i mean two's two's just mentioning the big ones yeah um that are trillium and treehouse okay um and yeah, treehouse. I, I would i would consider them two of the best breweries in the country yeah. and, um and outside of that uh portland maine is really a huge beer hub okay and, uh, a place that i've i vacationed a lot nice uh, in my uh early to mid 20s so, okay um yeah uh, the more the more IPAs I drank, the more I fell in love with beer. Got you, got you. Okay. Actually, my my beer intake in general has slowed down immensely since moving to Miami. <laughs> I'm not drinking more liquor than, uh, yeah, than I hey. used to, and also it's just like yeah, it's uh, I think it's kind of like a culture culture thing here. Down too, here, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I yeah, no, I think it is more of a. With well, with the nightlife, there's just more opportunities. There's a lot more mixology going on. Yes, yeah. you know, so people are gonna tend to go towards a, a drink that'll make them feel it a yeah. lot quicker. But that but that said, some of the breweries here that I've tried have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, um, for sure. What was the the one that we met when I first moved down? Three Sons. That was Three Sons. Yeah, yep. Three Sons. Yep. Good product and, out of there. And Jay Wakefield is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, last time I was Jay Wake, I was at Jay Wakefield. Was the first night we got a real cold snap. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't prepared. It's was freezing my ass off. Yeah, freezing my ass off. And that's not typical for me. I mean, it was South Florida. You wasn't expect. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Let's get into the second beer. All right. 
Speaking of IPAs. Yes, sir. Okay, so I know you're looking forward to this one. This one here is Azaka's Wrath. <laughs> Azaka. Azaka. Are we sure that's the enunciation? Are we, we're going, gonna, we're gonna, are we going Azaka? Are we going Azaka? Like, Azaka. Oh, you know what? It could be Azaka. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave it open. This is what the comments are for. Yeah, exactly. So everybody tune in. You're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Comment. Maybe, maybe we can get Diego to check it yeah, out. Yeah, no. before it's all said and done, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll come back in one of the segments and, and let you know exactly so that you don't look like me pulling up to the place and going, Azaka! <laughs> <laughs> or Azaka. <laughs> Either way, this is her wrath. It's an IPA, it's an Imperial IPA, and this one's an 8.1%. I'm, I'm concerned because we almost went, <laughs> we're damn near double that first one. But nonetheless, we're here to do a job. Yes, so, sir. Uh, cheers. This is our duty. Mm-hmm. Definitely IPA qualities. Uh, what are you thinking? It's very good. It's it's mellow, um, especially for when you see something that's like going towards eight, ten, twelve percent. Yeah. Um, that's an IPA. That's Imperial IPA. You expect a little bit more bitterness or um, more of a those, punch. Yeah, especially those uh, the um, like the after notes of the beer. Correct. Um, and there's none of that. It's it's pretty smooth for uh, for the percentage. I, I agree on all counts. Um, me being not an IPA. Um, um, I'm not not a big IPA person, and this one, even though I was kind of mentally prepared, I was like, all right, it's an IPA, just drink it and give it your thoughts. This is actually, like you said, it's smooth. It doesn't give you a lot of the heavy back end. It doesn't yeah. the, the, the the bitterness doesn't doesn't yeah, stay it's not, around. Not lingering. Correct, correct. And I think you captured it with the with the uh, sentiment that at eight point one. I was concerned. I was bracing. I was like, oh, this is going to be rough. Yeah. But it's not. It's, no. it's not at all. Um, I'd say uh, a lot of the main pro, uh, flavor profile of this beer is striking you on the first, like, two stages of the taste. It's, it's not, you're not getting much, like we, we said, in the after. after Correct. Night, but it's a little, I think it's a, a little peppery. Um, uh, it's, it might be a little citrusy in the middle, middle stages. But, yeah. But. Um, the, the final notes are, are very smooth. Definitely an IPA that uh, I could get with. Got to add that to the list. You like that one because you finished it. Um, I'm still working on mine. But then again, I have a podcast to conduct. So, 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 and I've, and, uh, so, uh, and I've already, uh, you know, I've already knocked down a beer. I've already knocked down a beer. I mean, knocked it down literally. <laughs> yes. Beer foul, party foul on my behalf. I'm the host and I'm fucking up. But anyway. Which, which one did you knock over? That, it was the, that'd, be, the endless, that'd be an interesting thing to know. It was the endless lager. Uh, okay. The endless summer lager. That was the one. I just happened to clip it with my hand. I, I, you can't take me anywhere. And then I keep showing up at places. <laughs> it's not like anybody's. It's all my own doing. Come on, don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into... Um, oh, actually, no. Let's go... Um, let's go... Uh, well, we touched on it a little bit. You said IPAs is your drink of choice nowadays. Yep. You mentioned Jay Wakefield. You mentioned Three Sons. Uh-huh. Um, uh, uh, maybe another IPA that stands out to you nowadays that you really enjoy. Another IPA that stands out. Um, I really try to stay away from the like big breweries. Gotcha. Um, but I know that people don't always have the interest or the uh, the 
time to go check out like your local breweries. Yeah. So I'll yeah. give you a recommendation based on like something you can get everywhere. Okay. Um, I, I really like a Sculpin IPA. Gotcha. Um, it's uh, from Terrapin. Yeah. It, 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 Terrapin? Lots of uh, no, it's uh, it's out in California. What's the, I can't think of what oh, the brewery is called right now. Sculpin. Um, well, you, that's the you, one that's got the koi fish on the front, or it's got no, the, no. I'm not thinking about another one. Okay. Yeah, you're thinking of a different one. Okay. But we'll 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 get you guys to the name of the brewery. Yeah. And, no, definitely. Um, but Sculpin uh, has has a lot of grapefruit notes. Um, okay. And it's it's delicious. Gotcha. Um, so that's one that you can get at your get at you know Publix, your local store. Yeah. Um, where, where you don't have to really really search for it. And yeah, you don't have I to know, make it. I event. know you have listeners all over. So yes. outside, outside of Miami, shots still a beer you can get. Shasta Germany. Um, <laughs> shots to the shots to the net, the what it minus uh, minus one percent people listening in Belgium. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate every. One of you, literally. Well, they're going to like hearing about this next beer. The next... See, man, I, see Virgil. Virgil's here for a reason. <laughs> Yo, he's alley-ooping the segues and everything. With that, let's get into this third beer. This third beer is the Audrey. It's the it's the Hibiscus Saison. It's a Belgian Saison. And uh, it clocks in at a 6.5%. Let's get into it. It's an interesting color, too. Yes, it is. I, I wish you could see... Oh, but it's got the Belgian, it definitely has that Belgian yeah, fragrance. Yeah, you, you can smell the wheat. Yes. Okay. What do you think? This style of beer is not necessarily for me. Okay, gotcha. Um, I think as far as what it is, it's well done. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it reminds me kind of like a farmhouse ale. I don't know if it mentioned that in the description. But it's really where like that the the wheat and the sour type beers meet. Meeting. Okay. Um, and it's for what it is, it's good. It's just not my cup of tea, personally. Yeah. yeah. My I one of the earlier be- one of the beers that I gravitated to um, early on in just getting to know craft beers was actually a Belgian. And um, drinking this, I get the Belgian feel. It's a lot lighter. Uh-huh. Um, and it definitely has the floral element in it. I think there was a the hibiscus, so they their hibiscus involved, and you can really taste the floral element in this Belgian. Yeah, uh, I'm messing with it because I'm a fan of Belgians, and this one's just a little bit off the beaten path with that floral flavor. Uh huh. Yeah, I think the 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 hibiscus note is my favorite part of the beer. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good stuff. And it's, I'd say from. An aesthetic perspective, it's the prettiest beer. We it got. is. It is. It's most. It's the most attractive one. It's the one that. Hey, girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She she gets holiday on the side, like, <laughs> exactly. walking down the street. Yeah. For real. Excellent. Excellent. You also mentioned your. Uh, you have an affinity towards sours, also. I do. Okay. Yeah. Um, what, do you remember what was maybe the, the the sour that introduced you to the sours or? Um. I remember the brewery definitely. Okay. Um, I went to Portland, Maine, uh, which I already mentioned, it, which is just an incredible place. Like okay. people, people always talk Portland, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, which is a great city, but Portland, Maine is underrated. Really. Fun fact about Portland, Maine: the most uh, restaurants and brewery, breweries per capita in the entire country. Really. So. Bro, I thought for some reason I thought. Breweries per capita went to Tampa, but you're saying Portland, Maine. Yeah, huh? but that's combination breweries and restaurants. Oh, okay, got you, got so, you. So, so hospitality perspective, 
Okay. Portland, Maine does it superbly. Wow. Some of the best best spots that I've ever been nice. from from a beer perspective, okay. from a dining perspective. It is a thriving city for that kind of stuff. Nice, nice. Um, and uh, a couple of my favorite breweries are up there. Um, and um, drawing a blank on the name of this one, but it falls right in the um, the farmhouse. I'll find again. I'll find the name for you. But, yeah. Um, they've got like a got an owl logo, um, mm. and I'll, I'll find the name uh, okay. off air. But uh, that was the first time I, I really got into uh, into that, and it, it really started in this in this kind of farmhouse area where where it's like not quite a sour yet, but okay. bordering on the brink of a sour. Got and from you. there, I I really fell in love with really? it. And the the difference for me is an, an IPA is a beer that I want to drink on a on a two or three of them on a on a winter's night or like on a day where it's uh, where it's um, you know, not like today, but, but, um, a day where it has a little more bite when it comes yeah, to the exa- weather. Exactly. But when, when it's, uh, when it's nice out, you need something a little more smooth, a little more light. And mm-hmm. for me, for me, that was, I think a lot of people go pale ale there. For me, it was sour. 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 Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. Shit. Yeah. And we talked too about how, um, you, you tend to gravitate a little more towards the sweet side sour. of the Correct. sours. And Correct. For, for me, it's, uh, I, I like a really nice dry sour. Yeah. A little bit more of the bitter. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. It's a definitely. Well, if, knowing that, I'm gonna, I got to put you on to a couple different ones that you might like, especially in, you know, you be, you know, in the Winwood area. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're a fan of Jay Wakefield, there's definitely some you could try over at Winwood Brewing. But I'll, I'll put you on to those. Dope. But first, we'll, let's let's move on to this fourth and final beer, because there's still one left. All for right. those for those keeping track at home, we've only drank three. We're on our way to the fourth one. Thank you for keeping me in line. <laughs> this fourth and final one is uh, Lost City Brewing. It's their Black Porter. And it clocks in at a 4.7%. Uh, you're not a Porter fan, but, but part of the show is to get to these four beers. So, Absolutely. Uh, let, let's give it a go. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. What are you thinking? Very porter. Okay. Um, to me, it's it screams coffee right away. I get, yes. I get. I have to agree. Big to coffee agree. notes. Yeah. Um, and the the color is very dark. Yeah. So I'm I'm seeing that. But also, I am very surprised about the ABV of this beer. Mm, the fact that it's so low, considering that Cons- it's it's got the uh, the characteristic of something that's a little higher. Yeah. The color. The fact that it is a porter, yeah, it's uh, it, that that took me by surprise. Yeah, you start wondering if they're like if it's close to uh maybe a session porter. Yeah, where it's something low enough where you continue to continue to drink throughout the day without getting that that heavy or that definitely alcoholic bloated, the bloated, the bloated feel. or the yeah. the heavy alcohol content. Yeah. Um, yes, I agree. I'm not a coffee drinker at all. Nor am I. So, oh, really? Okay, yeah. I found the one other person on this yeah. planet. <laughs> No, I told you before, no chocolate, no, no coffee. No chocolate, yeah. I get this all the time where it's like, you don't drink coffee? Yeah. No, Do you I don't drink, drink tea? I I have been known most of, if I drink a tea, it's because I'm not feeling well. Okay, gotcha. So you. it's like I do it, you know what I'm saying, whether it's a digestive thing yeah. or or kind of like a... So where do you get these oodles of energy from? Is this no, na- that's the na- question. Naturally grown? <laughs> you run on solar power? <laughs> I run on beer. <laughs> 
No, hey, I think I'm gonna go with solar power. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. People, a lot of people explain to me. I mean, will ask me, you don't drink beer. How like the, how does your day start off? Right. And it's like I just, I don't know. I'm not just, just not relying on it. Yeah. And it feels like any other day. I don't know. I, no I haven't, I haven't. I, well, I don't. I mean, I just hope nobody tries to, you know, to experiment and try to figure out what it is that keeps <laughs> <me> going. <laughs> it's just not beer. Hey. Um, we we made it to the fourth beer. Uh, this is where I ask. Virgil, uh, one through four. Sure. Your, your your most favorite to your least favorite. What you got? Definitely. Um, I'd say I'd say a lot of this is biased in itself, just based on the kind of beer I like. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to look at it also from a perspective of like the quality of the beer for the type of beer that it is. Please do. I'm sure they'll appreciate it here at Lost City. Yeah. So, um, Azuka's Wrath, okay. definitely number one for me. Got you. Um, got you. IPA, well done IPA, very drinkable, went down mm -hmm. smooth. I could, if I were to go order a beer from the bar, that's the one that's that I would order. That's the next one you're going to go, yes. yeah. Okay. So okay. That, that, one, that one was a layup for me. Nice. After that, it, I think it gets a little more complicated. I mm. do really like the, uh, um, this one here, the, uh, uh the Audrey? Uh, yeah, the Audrey. The Audrey Biscus. Uh, yeah, I'd say, that, I'd say this is probably my second favorite. The, okay. the hibiscus notes are really nice. It's balanced. Again, I don't like. I don't particularly love the the wheat flavor, mm -hmm. um, but it, uh, it's it's nicely done. It's okay. a it's a well made beer. Yeah. Um, third, surprisingly, I'm gonna go with the porter. Oh um, wow. Okay. I think, I think it's a dr a very drinkable porter. It's not okay. heavy. Yeah. Um, it, a lot of times that's my problem with porter. I, I have two sips and I don't want to drink. And you're full. You feel full. Yeah, I feel full. Yeah. I feel like. I don't want to. I need to go home and take a nap. And that's, <laughs> yeah. not, that's not why I drink beer. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I thought this was done, and uh, I thought this was well done. Okay. First and the third. So that leaves uh, that leaves the endless summer. Yeah, endless summer, which, uh, for what it is, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But it's just not something. I, I don't drink light beer. So. There you go. Okay. Shit, there ain't no that, wrong answers yeah, here. That, that's that's where I'm at. No, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, uh, like I said, there's no wrong answers here. And um, it's actually it's actually really good for a for a lager, you know, of of that it, it, compared to other lagers. Definitely. It's actually really good. Um, so there's really no losers here. They're all winners. But like you said, you lean towards a certain beer, and that's yeah. you know this, this is the opposite, total opposite of the beer you lean towards. So it's number four. You know what I'm saying? It's still I think it's still metals. It's, it's, it's drinkable. <laughs> if I was. You know what? I would play beer pong with this beer any day, uh, right? Like I would have oh. a day. I would have a day by the pool, like whatever. Yeah. Like a, a more chill day. I'm, I'm all, all on board with that. That's it. There's, a, there's a beer for every occasion. There whether are, it's there beer is. pong, hanging on the beach, at the crib, planning on going nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's for a sure. beer for every situation. Well, um, what's your order? Okay, let's do that. Um, all right. So, wow, that's interesting. Um, so I'm gonna go. Damn, you know what? That's that's a hell of a question. Alright, so first and foremost, I, you know it's tough because I usually would lean towards the Belgian. Yeah. First. Because that's the one that, you know, out of the, the four styles we got here, that's the one that I would go to first. Yeah. Um So I'm gonna give that one first. Mm -hmm. Second. Second, I'm gonna go. Asicus, despite the fact that it's an IPA, yeah. I'm just so impressed, which is, it's the reason, I mean, the, the fact that I could drink this IPA and I don't feel that that heavy bitterness on the back end, uh -huh. it could easily be 
one. Yeah. You know, it could easily jump into number one, but I'm going to go number two on that one. Mm -hmm. And it's an 8.1. I mean, that's nothing to... That's nothing to laugh at. That eight point one coming in on a, such a drinkable IPA. Definitely, yeah. The the balance of that beer to me is super impressive. Yeah, and then and then I'd have to go the endless summer. Uh huh. Um, and that's purely just because I'm not a coffee fan. Yeah, yeah. So that would put the Black Porter on the back end of my first four. Uh huh. Um. So that that would be my one through four. So I'd go the Belgian, which is the uh, which one was it? Oh, the Audrey. Uh huh. The Audrey. Azakas or Azakas, uh, Endless Summer, and then the Black Porter. Cool. Wow. Yo, we got a lot done in this segment. Yes, sir. We sampled beers. We got Virgil's thoughts on the beers. We heard Virgil's stories. He smuggled Estella for two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. Just to find out what this whole beer thing is about. <laughs> and, he's, and he's improved. He's made changes. He's made ways. He's, he's moved on. He found himself drinking beers in Portland, Maine. I might have not had a Stella since. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Two weeks of the beer just sitting unrefrigerated. That's wild to me. But nevertheless, let's get back into this. Uh, we have we have a couple more segments, but before we get to the end of the show, we have to get into the beat segment. Y'all stay tuned. It's what's coming up next. Virgil's in the house. Lost City Brewing. Brews, Beats, and Eats. Bruce Beast and Easter Podcast, and we have made it uh, to the Beats portion. We're feeling good. We had four beers. I'm still working on some here. Um, this is the portion of the podcast where we get to know our guests' uh, takes when it comes to music. Um, uh, what's on their playlist? Uh, what could we find them listening to on an average day? Um, I know we, we talked a little bit in the beginning about you know lo-fi hip-hop your gravitation towards it, jazz-based hip-hop. Yeah. Um, Virgil, what does a playlist consist of for you nowadays? Well, I think I think Spotify has really opened up the door for that and, and making it so you can have a playlist for every mood. I, I work out regularly, and okay. my workout playlist is very different than, like, my chilling on a Sunday playlist. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so, really, I'm, I'm always looking for, for balance and for... Uh, in myself and in the, in my music, so there there's sometimes where I'm looking for some some old school disco or some jazz or some okay. chill shit to just uh, sit on the porch, look at the ocean, whatever. Uh-huh. But then when I'm in the gym, I want shit that makes me go hard. So I listen to okay. stuff that goes hard. And I, I think finding that balance, finding finding what's appropriate for your mood, is is something that like streaming has really opened up for everyone mm, you don't yeah. you don't need to rely on a cd anymore or be on your bear share your lime wire whatever you're using yeah. to get, get download your music but like no it's true because in the middle of a in, in the middle of an intense workout if you're listening to a cd from an artist which most artists they try to cover a spectrum yeah. of different vibes feelings it's like the last thing you want to do is like run into that one song that is like the relationship one yeah and you're, you know what I'm saying, you're squatting a hundred and something pounds. Yeah, like, no, exactly, this ain't it. Exactly. So I see where you're going with that. Yeah. And playlists have really revolutionized that in, in streaming services mm-hmm. in general. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. Thankful I don't have to burn CDs anymore. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, remember that? That, that yeah. shit was wild. That was, that, was, that was an era for sure. Yeah. I used to have this little device that was like a early MP3 player, like predate, predating uh, like a iPad or iPod. iPod. Okay, yeah, gotcha, so gotcha. like a pre iPod iPod and it came with this little tape. 
you could download the music onto the little tape and then flip, push it into this MP3 player. Really? And like that, <laughs> that was kind of when I got into this mood. Like I can make whatever I want, like that fits my mood. And, yeah. And that's really where music is gone, and it's cool. Yeah. But it's a lot of that more said, friendly. That said, there's still so much importance in li- listening from to an album front to back. And very true. And I don't give that kind of respect to every artist, but if if it's someone that I have a deep connection with artistically, mm-hmm. I will listen to your album front to back right. over and over. Somebody you would pay those respects to. Healy. Okay. Uh, so Healy just recently dropped a, a new album. Uh, he's uh, the the album that I would encourage you to listen front to back is Sublux. Okay. Um, it's to me the chillest music there is. Really? It's it's laid back. It's intelligent. It's smart. It's soulful. It's jazzy. Healy Healy to me is. Uh, a huge inspiration musically and also just someone that fits my I'd say my most common mood which is very laid back and calm got you and, and so that that that's the type of music that really helps me focus and, okay. and just uh, be be introspective and, and appreciate the world around me yeah same thing with uh, I'd say falling in that category would be um, just beats in general lo-fi beats uh, yeah. I've spent a lot of time listening to that and I mentioned Code of the Friend earlier, and yeah. Code of the Friend's in, in that mindset too, where it's really introspective music. Yeah. It's chill. It, it allows you to, to to focus on yourself, uh, self growth, self development. Yeah. And those are all things that I'm, I'm really interested in. You know, now that you're saying, and I'm I'm sitting here, and I know you mentioned it earlier, Code of the Friend. Did he go by another name before that? Was I don't he? believe so. No. No. Um, but he's he's worked with. Uh, he's from New York. He's okay. worked with some big artists from out there that's what i'm saying i think it's i'm gonna look it up i'm sure i'm sure you'll know coda once you look him up yeah he's he's made a splash because for some reason i could be totally wrong about this but Uh for some reason coda the friend and i could be off i could be totally off but if i have a feeling like yc the cynic okay i know yc the cynic changed his name at some point and for some reason i I, you keep you say coda the friend coda the friend and i'm thinking I think that's what he changed it to. I don't know. I have to look it okay. up. But if for some reason, let I, me know if that's the case. And if that's the case, then yo, YC the cynic is dope. Like, like Word. some of the young cat, the, some of the um, his early raps that I was, I was like, yo, this cat is dope. Yeah. yeah so I so gotta look that up. Some of the, so we we talked about like my real chill vibe mm-hmm. for a minute, but then like talking into like gym playlists or like when I'm feeling like a little confident, you yeah, know? yeah. Um, then then to me it's. Uh, right now it's J.I.D. Okay. Like, okay. Uh, okay. I'm really, I'm really a big Dreamville guy in general, but, but to me J.I.D. is, yeah. he's got it right now. Okay. His flow is bananas. He's out of control. His raps are dope. YBN Corday. Got you. Um, I love, you know, Smino? Yes. Yes. A big Smino fan. I really love the places where R&B, jazz, and hip-hop meet. All co- they converge. Yeah. And that... Like, people assume when you say that that it's going to be chill music, but that shit can go hard, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And no, it's too, there's too many influences to draw from. Yeah. You know, and, and plus, it's not always... The, the music might have a certain tone, but the emotion coming from the lyricist... Exactly. Could could have its... It's going to have its own effect on what the uh, the, the, the soundtrack or the, the background might Absolutely. have. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I'd be remiss without mentioning also... Uh, this was one of Mike's favorite albums, 
from this year, and okay. one of mine was a Dominic Fike's album. Never heard and Dominic Fike, I'd say, is one of those rare talents who's completely genre-bending. I don't know what to call him or what kind of music. I couldn't tell you what kind of music he makes, yeah. but I know that it's dope. Wow. And I think he's also a Florida cat. I don't is know. He? I don't know what part, but okay. I'm pretty sure he is from Florida. Dominic Fikes. I'm going to have to check that out. That's, that's interesting because... Um, Again, going back to me being someone who came up, you know, listening to music, listening to hip-hop, you know, mid-80s and on, um, for someone to to not have, like, for you not to be able to nail down a specific style on them, like... For a while, that was that was frowned upon. Yeah, because that means that that means that you would have to be lifting or or biting from different you know to make it. Now we're at a place where that just goes to show your musical knowledge. We also your ability. We also came from an era, I think, in in hip hop anyway, where you were either labeled hard or soft. Yeah, and that to me is something great that's been disposed of is you you can be emotional you can show sensitivity correct and be a hip-hop artist mm-hmm. you don't need to be a gang you don't need to be a gangster to be a hip-hop artist yeah and and that made a big change in the genre in general i'm i'm starting to, as you're saying that i'm starting to wonder how much the ability the ability to put out your own music Without, because a lot of times, yeah, I get into the conversations with some of like the the hip hop heads that I respect, uh-huh. and we talk about you know gatekeepers, and the fact that um, technology has made it that anybody can make a song. Yeah, and that's not always good. <laughs> that's not always good. True. The end result is not always good because then you shine a light on something that's that maybe should have not been released or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but. But fandom, you know, you never know who you're going to reach out to and, and, and it creates a movement and people follow it. Um, so that's where, I guess, not having gatekeepers go wrong goes wrong. Yeah. The other perspective is what you're discussing is that not having that gives you the ability, gives anyone the ability to create something without the worry of not being accepted. Exactly. So you do, you're doing what you feel. Yeah. You just hope that it comes out dope. It's, like, not, well, it's not judgmental anymore. Correct. Correct. And so it's funny. It's I'm at, a, at me being old head ed and at a place where I, I've seen hip hop evolve. I I kind of do appreciate the judgment at times. Yeah. Because I know some people. It's it's kind of like the correlation between having a bunch of yes men telling you, yeah, yeah, that shit is dope. Put yeah. it out. And it's like, yo, it's not. Um, I want to say it's Jizza that had a line where it's like uh, he said on one of the early Wu albums, I, and I maybe maybe it was his own. Uh-huh. He goes that your um, your whack ass town had you gassed, uh-huh. meaning that everybody around you was telling you, "Yeah, it's great." So you carry on thinking like, "Yes, I'm really good," when in reality you're not. For sure, you know. So there is a place for gatekeepers, but at the same, t- so it's it's like everything else is two sides. There's like a like a duality to it. Uh-huh. It has its 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 upside and it has its downside. Definitely. Agree completely. And yeah, so if we're we're looking, let's let's look back for a minute because I'm really mentioning artists who are who are in the now who mm-hmm. who yeah. have come out recently. But I'd say, like, as far as influences in in hip the hip hop genre specifically, uh, to me it started um, started early on with. Uh, for me, it was Quali and Most Def. Wow. That's, that's where it started for me. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there was more mainstream stuff. I was 
uh, I was growing up in like the G Unit era mm-hmm. in, in the uh, in the Nas era. Um, Diplomats, so, I think, was popping up. Dip- oh yeah, yeah. Joel Santana, yeah. like that. Uh, Ti, like gotcha. you know, it was it was a good time for hip hop. Yeah. When I, and Lil Wayne, yeah, totally changed the way that hip hop was consumed. Yeah, I mean, I have I've made my thoughts on 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 Lil Wayne known on other podcasts, uh-huh. but I understand, I I understand the. Uh, the affinity some people have for him and or their perspective on it yeah to me it's Lil Wayne's not so much about the quality of the music he was putting out it's just about the way that he was doing it early on correct uh, just like this mass quantity of music mm-hmm. that, that, yeah that that's regardless of whether you like his music or you dislike his music what he put out is an impressive catalog correct yeah 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 and and and, and, and I mean not I can't discredit for him discredit the fact that um, there's a story where I can't remember which mixtape or album. I think it was a mixtape that he dropped, where he decided to put out all his old, all the stuff he had written down yeah. up until that point. He's like, I'm just gonna put all this down and I'm gonna start new. Yeah. Um, and and that takes that. I mean, that's that's a pretty interesting concept to uh, you know um, to utilize. It's like and then start fresh and go from there. Uh-huh. Um, Yo, shouts, shouts to the ARC, um, DJ Tres, Orion. And I said it on, on the podcast, on an episode I did with them recently where I'm like, I think I think Lil Wayne capitalized on an era where there wasn't a lot. Commercially, there wasn't a there, lot. Hip-hop hip hop had a really troubling time in the, the early which, 2000s. Which, which what the homies is what call the dark ages. Yeah. So and and he just capitalized on that uh-huh. and and when you're the one making the most noise or like you're saying putting out putting the out most the most product yeah then it, then you it's can anybody argue that you're not the greatest so when you go to when you stand and you're like I'm the greatest yeah for anybody coming up in that era is gonna have to agree with you yeah you know anybody who has a little bit of um um just a knowledge before of beforehand and it's, it's a little tougher for them to take that but Definitely. we understand the concept of it you understand yeah. I, I understand it i understand yeah. it. To, to me it's mo- to me lil wayne is impressive more for his process rather than the result got you got you yeah um man i mean i'm so this is a real good conversation uh when it comes to, to hip-hop music okay here we go. This is something new I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm implementing into the podcast, which is um, typically I ask, oh, what's your on your playlist? What's something you listen to? What's something that people would be surprised to know that you listen to? Is there anything you have on your playlist where you're like, where if you played it for someone, they'd be like, yeah, you listen to this? Yeah, I listen to. I, I connect with almost every genre you can okay. think of. That's one of the first things I told you today. Yeah, yeah. If it's if it's not country, then I'm listening to it. Yeah. Um, I listen to um, I listen to opera. I listen to plays sometimes. Okay. Um, I listen to Hamilton's the only play yeah. I listen to. Uh, Hamilton's that's dope. The, that's the only I, one ever. I, I when I was young, I really connected with a play called Les Miserables. I was on uh, okay. Broadway for a long time, and I, you can still find me listening to that sometimes. Really? Like, um, I listen to. I have a great love for some of the female artists of the 60s and 70s uh, okay. in the folk genre. Uh, Joni Mitchell specifically. Got you, got you. Um, I, love, I love any of the old folk music. Neil Young, Steely Dan, like mm. all, all the music of the 60s and 70s. I'm, I'm crazy about it. Yeah. Um, so, to, so to me, it's all like 
it all can be connected to hip hop still. And yeah. and that's the way I look at it because I and I think it, the reason is because I'm in that genre. Mm. But um that that music stands alone too and it yeah. and it's huge for me. It's a huge influence. Yeah. And, and it's amazing that it is. I mean it's still it still kind of fucks Steely Dan over here because they're not anybody who's not a real welcoming friend of hip hop because I know that they had a back and forth. Yeah. With um with several hip hop artists about sampling their music uh-huh. and um so I, it's kind of like hard for me to be like yeah go for it you know or, or or really like be fans of some of these cats but I understand it's you know it's intellectual property where they have their they have their feelings or their rights yeah. it's their music but ultimately I just as a hip hop head I'm like uh, I, I can't be like Argh. I think a lot of the conflict there comes from their understanding. Well, no. their focus is so... It does. It, you're right. But their focus is so much on live instrumentation. When gotcha. they when they perform live... I've seen Steely Dan a, Dan a number of times live. Okay. When they perform, they come with maybe 12 or 14 musicians mm. who are playing a number of instruments live. So to see someone... If you come from that era... Yeah. You're talking about yeah. gatekeepers. You come from that era. Yeah. You come from a place where everything is performed where you have a pianist you have an organist you have a saxophone you have a trumpet you have live r&b singers with you you're bringing all these people to make this product and there's someone sampling your shit on a beat machine how would that feel to you yeah and that's yeah. that's like the opposite that's an side interesting of that. point and it's true i'm listen i'm all i sampling is my favorite thing in the world i yeah. love sampled hip-hop i love beats i wish they were more open to that but yeah. I do understand that perspective too. Yeah. If you're like you, you call yourself an old head. Those are the old old heads. <laughs> yeah, so, they, yeah. They, think of how they must feel. Yeah, it's true. It, it, it's true. And, and then, but and then at the same time, it's. I think it's a lot about perspective because uh, Bob James recently uh, put out a video. I saw a Bob James. I don't know if he dropped it. I don't know if it was something that was done recently. I know I recently came across it. Uh-huh. Um, and he talked about how people sampling his music, um, whether it was uh, you know Ghostface with the uh, the Daytona 500. Uh-huh. Um, he talks about how he appreciates it in the sense that where it's like his music is reaching an area or or a population or a group where it didn't before. Then before, like that, that would have never known of him. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Or even if it's um. The Boogie Monsters with Cal Jader, yeah. Like the fact that somebody's somebody's making it so that your music expands out to just beyond your yeah. core group, and that, it's and it's resurfacing too. It's resurfacing something that might be 20, 30 years old and bringing it back to now. Especially now with the with the way streaming works, yeah. where it's like once someone finds out. If they're really into music, yeah, and we discussed like people who are really into music and people who are just kind of like have like their music to them is just a background, is background. But those really into it will look into like, wait a minute, you mean tell me that this sample came from somewhere else? Yeah. Well, why don't I go digging into there? So it revitalizes Stevie Dan's category uh, catalog. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? There's always opportunity for that too. You look at. ASAP Rocky made a song a couple years ago called Every Day. Okay. It was a big hit. Um, and it was sampling Rod Stewart. And 
Rod Stewart is notoriously in the area a sellout. Uh, he, he's a cut. He, he made a lot of covers. He's yeah, cool with everyone using his shit. He, he's about he's about the money. So, uh, yeah, let, let's be frank about it. Yeah. but it's revitalized his career and it's made him stay relevant. Is so, it, is it Rod Stewart that did something with uh, Shaggy? I, I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah but um, like. They're, it's they're new life. It breathes new life into the career of, it does. of an artist, and it makes it so they're not dead. They're, like their music's still in in the now. Yeah, yeah, and that's what you want it to be. You want, I mean, as a musician, I can imagine that you want your music to live on, or if you're still capable of putting together music, that you want to do that for people to listen to. Yeah, as long as long as uh, for me, the music making the music is about me. Gotcha. And, and it's it's re- really selfish to say that, but that's that's the long and short of it. Yeah, I I make music because I need to make music. Got you. Um, and the fact that people gravitate that, to the it, the fact that people listen to it is a nice added bonus. Got you. Um, if more people listen to it, great. If less yeah. people listen to it, I don't care. I'm yeah. gonna keep making music. Beautiful, beautiful. But we're gonna keep this podcast moving. We appreciate the fact that Virgil keeps making music, <laughs> but we're gonna keep it moving on this side. Because we still got the eat segment to go through. So um, y'all stay tuned. Bruce Beeson eats the podcast. Bruce Beeson eats the podcast, and we have made it. We have made it to the Eats portion of the podcast. I got Virgil with me still. We're still at Lost City Brewing, North Miami. Y'all come check the place out. Has a beautiful outdoor seating area. Got beers of all types. You heard us talk about the beers. Little barbecue joint behind the building. Yes, got the barbecue pop-up outside, which we might have to get into it just to kind of balance off all this drinking. We might have to grab a sandwich or something. That might be in the works. But speaking of sandwiches, uh, we're in the eat segment of the podcast, and uh, this is where we get into our guests' food taste, um, what they enjoy eating, what they don't enjoy eating. Um, I know this man gets busy in the kitchen. I've witnessed some of the 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 culinary delights on IG. It's it's definitely uh, it's definitely motivated me at, at moments to be like, yo, I gotta make something like that. I gotta make something like that. But before we get into his culinary skill. Let, let's get into that 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 dish of choice, um, Virgil. That 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 meal that you can't go without. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, tortellini, uh, pesto. Okay. Uh, usually, usually with chicken, um, okay. broccoli could could be added, but or broccolini. I'm I'm a big broccolini fan. I don't know if you. If What's you, the difference between broccoli broccolini? Broccolini is a little smaller. It's okay. more tender. It's a little more bitter than broccoli. Almost gotcha. like. Think of broccoli, Rob. Got, okay, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But growing up, my mom always had a garden uh, with basil. So mm. one of the things that we would do every winter, like a nice tradition for me and my mom, we would, we would pick the basil, we'd make pesto at the end of the fall, and we'd freeze like maybe 10 or 15 bags and, wow. and keep it in the freezer over the winter. Yeah. Uh, so so we'd have some something really fresh and nice in, mm-hmm. in a time where it's hard to get stuff that's fresh gotcha. and nice. So to me, that's like, a, it's a real nostalgic meal. Mm. And uh, pesto is without a doubt still one of the best things that I make to this day. Really? Yeah. Yo, dope. The um, pasta, 
Hey, I never asked. Yeah. You're, you're back, like, you're, you're, your nationality, your background. I'm Italian. Okay, that makes <laughs> so, sense. So okay, yeah, yeah. got you, got you. Last, my last name is uh, Carenza. So, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm uh, 50% Italian, got some Portuguese in me, Polish, okay. and a little bit of Russian. Nice. Um, any culinary you've experienced from all those other nations? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you I get mean, pierogies or <laughs> nah? Pierogies are not for me. No, um, <laughs> I'm not a, not a big potato man in okay. general. Um, but and that's uh, pretty much pierogies are potatoes wrapped in pasta. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. What you got there? Yeah, but um, like from the Portuguese perspective, I'm a huge fish eater in general. Okay, that's, that's obviously a staple staple uh, that kind of food. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My grandma made a, a really traditional. A Portuguese dish all the time called pastiche. Okay. And it's, it's delicious too. But yeah, for for I'd say channeling the Portuguese side would be would be fish. Gotcha. Um, and it, this is a great place for it too. That was, yeah, that's there's a, a lot of water around here. That was a really exciting part about this uh, about this move in general for me is is having that access to fresh fish yeah. year round rather than uh, yeah. during the during the, the nice season in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Uh, any particular fish in general? That the one that you really uh, here to? here I've been going mahi quite mahi. a bit. Yeah, but can't go um, wrong. but I'm I'm a big salmon guy. Okay. Um, and I, I I love the shellfish too. So okay. Mussels, clams. Yeah. So no allergies. Oysters. So you're good on that nah, side. Nah, <laughs> give, give me all the fish. <laughs> so so, uh, what's a fish dish you prepare yourself? Yeah, I uh, I like um, I like a nice steelhead chow. Or uh, salmon, they're they're very similar. Okay. Uh, the reason I I go towards steelhead more than uh, the salmon is it's a little more firm, more body to it. Okay. Um, a, a little bit uh, more, uh, I'd say like flaky. Got you. Um, but really, I I eat pretty clean uh, throughout the, uh, especially in this time this time of year, spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, in New England, you gotta you gotta imagine this is how it goes. In the winter. If you're someone who exercises, you need to eat a lot more than you usually do just to stay warm. Correct. So you, you, you gotta eat have a lot, those layers. You eat a lot, you work out a lot, you get kind of big and bulky, and that's yeah. bulking season. Got you. By the time it gets to, you know, January, February, it starts being cutting season. Okay. And what that means for me is no carbs, less beer, um, less cheese. Okay. Uh, all the all the fattening things they start to cut out so you can get prepared for the summer season. So <laughs> Summer that, bodies are made in the winter months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how it goes up north, especially. But here, summer month all the time. So, it, yeah, it's hard. So I've, yeah, so I've I've really cleaned up cleaned up my diet in general since I moved here. Um, okay. And I've been you know, eating a ton of fish, uh, nice. mostly uh, very little very little carbs in general. Okay. Um, and and fresh vegetables all the time. Have you found a uh, particular fish spot down here that you uh, that you enjoy? Yeah, there's there's um, definitely, I've really gravitated towards the Haitian food. Okay. Um, especially living <laughs> that Creole sauce living one. in Little Haiti. Yeah. Um, and man, I, I love the I love the curry. I love the jerk. Like, mm. I love I love spicy food. Gotcha. So um, there's been there's been so many uh, different uh, cuisines that I've been introduced to here that I hadn't really had the opportunity mm. to try up there, yeah. and that's been that's been really awesome for me. Yeah. Um, a lot of the uh, South American, Central American, uh, the Argentinian influences, Cuba, Puerto Rico, like the yeah, Dominic- all here. Dominican, like all this food from that 
it's really not accessible up north that, yeah. that you can get here. So I've, I've really been having a field day as far as try, <laughs> trying new kinds of food. Um, what, about, what about whipping up, trying, experimenting with what you know as far as putting together a dish and then maybe uh, incorporating some of the stuff you've... Yeah, I've gotten a little bit into to the jerk cooking in okay. general. Um, I, ha I lived with a, a Haitian roommate for a little bit when I first moved here. So okay. he, he showed me a few things. Um, but it's, it's definitely something that I'll continue to work on. Nice. Um, there's also a, uh, a new ramen restaurant ne uh, in my neighborhood okay. in Wynwood, probably a mile and a half away from my house. Um, that is by, uh, that's owned by uh, Iron Chef Morimoto. Really? Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm really going to start hitting that place up heavily Got and you. trying to refine my ramen game there I, you go i think that's that's something that i'd like to work on yeah my uh, another influence that i had uh from a culinary pers uh, culinary perspective is my aunt is japanese okay um so uh -huh. i i really always had an affinity towards sushi Got miso you. soup like yeah a lot of the traditional japanese food nice um and uh, that's that's something that uh yeah. that, that i'm gonna continue well, to expand on. yeah yeah no it, it's good it's a good basis to build on for sure, man. I mean, th yeah. those are some of the foods where, like, well, you mentioned pretty much every food that I've <laughs> been able to take part of down here. Um, like I said, the different nationalities you want to, you know, living in, having the opportunity to sample a little bit of everything you have to. You, yeah. You should. Not you have to, you should. If, it, if Even if it's just to familiarize yourself uh -huh. or open up the palate to different foods and that, that like you said you describe south florida to a t where there's there's a little bit of everything uh -huh. here there's really no reason why you come down here and just stick to eating what you eat exactly and not expanding it unless you're just on so i mean unless that's your thing and you're just like a burgers and chicken tenders kind of guy yeah but there's so much out there there's, there is there's definitely so much out and, there and there's there's fresh food here for you to like the one of the nice things too is the produce up north fluctuates with the, the seasons, seasons. Mm. and here that's not an issue which, yeah. is, which is wonderful so like i've been able to wherever you grocery shop i don't care where you do your grocery shop you're gonna find but, what you're looking for yeah exactly <laughs> and that's kind of a funny thing too that i was just thinking about um it's just like the different grocery stores like the regionality of grocery stores in our country in general mm, yeah like <laughs> up north up north it's uh it's stop and shop it's shop right it's uh i mean trader joe's whole foods are everywhere yeah but yeah. like the the like chains in that area are, are those ones and, yeah. and here you got like aldi you got uh public win dixie yeah those yeah. are still around so so yeah it's like it's been interesting like trying to figure out what's what's the right gro grocery store for the appropriate occasions yeah. and like still using whole foods and trader joe's to the advantage when you can too it's true it's and true I, i'm not i'm not on i'm a teacher so i'm not on the budget to shop exclusively at whole foods but yeah. when i when i do i, I get to whole foods but yeah um, I, all these been really nice like that's not up there so that's been that's been eye-opening to me is gotcha. like, all, all the hits the spot sometimes yeah uh, if, yeah <laughs> financially yeah is the way to go uh -huh. i mean i mean as far as getting your money's worth yeah yeah bang, bang for bucks I'll, i'm i'm a big aldi fan yeah um besides the pasta what's something else you whip up um that you're that you're pretty proud of as far as a meal yeah for sure um i um I specifically love to grill. 
Okay. So um, anything on the grill, vegetables, fish, uh, chicken, uh, pork tenderloin. Okay. I've also uh, I've really gotten into um, into roasting my roasting vegetables okay. rather than uh, doing stuff on the pan. I used to be like a big stir fry guy. But yeah, yeah. I've, I've been I've been hitting hitting the oven up a little more okay. than I used to. Okay. Yeah. The um. Let me let me go back a little bit. Where does this this um where where did you uh, acquire this this ability? Like, what was it? This ability to cook. This ability. Yeah. Was it I, a college thing where you're like, I'm hungry? Was it way nah, before that? It was way before that. Okay. So, I my mom was the type of mom who's cooking dinner every day for the most part. Okay. And she was a hard-working lady. She'd come home from work, and pretty much five days a week we were getting a fresh-cooked meal, and mm. I'm eternally grateful for that yeah. i think that's like a that's a huge way to build like consistency in a kid's life in general yeah, routine yeah it's routine and it's also like something that's stable that was completely stable for me i knew i was going to come home and i was going to have something healthy and good to eat every day yeah. and uh from a young age i really just gravitated to being in the kitchen with my mom i would be my mom's sous chef i'd be chopping go. vegetables okay. garlic whatever <laughs> whatever it was but um also um, my grandparents all loved to cook. My my family, it was just something in my family. Everyone was always cooking. Yeah. So um, it was something that I that I really appreciated doing from a young age. Mm-hmm. Also, I think baking is a very methodical and like scientific type art. Whereas to me, cooking itself is an art form. It's super creative, and it, it it's aligned almost with writing and music for me and that that mm. i can really express myself through cooking okay i like that i like that analogy that's pretty dope that's a strong analogy it's funny you bring up baking because it's it is methodical there's a lot of science and it seems like the it's it's weird how it seems like that's the one where you do least in the kitchen it's kind of like bake is like you it's it's the prepping yeah and then setting it and then it's you you don't forget it but you spend less time in the kitchen but that doesn't mean it's any easier because no. like you said there is more of a science there's more it's like methodical and, and to, yeah to me to me that's much more difficult than than cooking mm. I, i'm not i'm not a numbers person i'm not like a i'm not going to take the time <laughs> the to like measure out everything like that shit <laughs> fuck that shit like yeah. i'd rather just do a splash of this there goes like a tablespoon this. of olive oil yeah, i guess exactly exactly <laughs> like i can I feel very comfortable in controlled chaos Got in you. general, and that's yeah. what cooking is. It's yeah. controlled chaos. Baking, it, it can't be that way. Everything's got to be precise, measured, um, methodical, yeah. and, and that's that's not who I am as a person. And it's funny because as you're whipping things up, like you say, you're sautéing or roast or sautéing or stir frying, uh-huh. you're seeing it. You're seeing. The results of it as you go, yep. As opposed to baking, where it's like baking, set it and forget it. You set it, you set it, and you forget. You walk away, and you can only hope that everything you did up front, yeah, turns it, it creates what it is that you're looking forward yeah. to at the end, as opposed to you know being able to correct it midway. You know, yeah. what I'm saying? and that I think that goes to with with me being kind of like I'm a control freak about the things that I'm creating, like okay. music and cooking. Okay, if I'm cooking something on the pan or in the oven. I can take it out. I can try it by and say like, "Nah, this needs more salt. This needs more garlic. Like whatever, whatever it needs. I can, I can make adjustments. If I hear a song and I'm like, I hate that line. I need to replace that line. 
this isn't mixed quite the way that I envision in my head. I can hit up Matt and tell him, like, I want this a little bit different. Or I can re-record that one segment. But gotcha. faking to me is, like, you <laughs> hope that you did everything right. Yes. And I don't believe. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm too cynical to believe in myself to hit all those things perfect yeah, the first yeah. time around. Yeah. You, you whip it up, give it a lick and a prayer, yeah. and hope that it comes out on the but, other end. You know, the funny thing is uh, I've one sibling i have a younger sister okay. who's one of my best friends but she's lights out at that kind of stuff really so it's funny how like we, we came from the same place we came from the same parents and she's got that down yeah. she can bake like like amazing. nobody's business she's art she's visually artistic whereas i am not at all okay um and we <laughs> we came from the same place and our skill yeah. set is so different wow so, wow man that's something else, man. Before we wrap this up, I know I wanted to uh, get into it a little, um, and I should have done that at the very first segment, uh, but I can't I can't let this episode end without you talking about the, uh, the foundation you're putting together, um, the efforts that you're trying to accomplish with the uh, underprivileged inner city youth. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. So um, I live, as I mentioned, in the little Haiti area. Um, one of my passions outside of work is playing sports. So I've been, uh, I, I hit up a basketball court in my neighborhood quite a bit. Okay. And I saw uh, almost every day kids without uh, much direction after school mm. uh, who are living in houses with uh, with uh, tons of people in them. Gotcha. Uh, who don't have the parental support necessarily that they need after school. Yeah. And I, uh, as a teacher, to me that's something that uh, that really hurts my soul mm. um so i t- i spend the time with those kids out of, after school playing ball with them talking to them um and I, i'm really i'm really not doing it because it, i feel like it's something i have to do i'm doing it because it's something that i want to do okay. and the the next step w- for me was saying like how can i how can i make something that helps the most of these kids at one time gotcha. um so I, uh, I'm, I've been in contact with the district commissioner in, uh, in my community, um, and we're, we're in the process of organizing a program that will, uh, will give those kids some resources for after school. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I wanted to make sure that we touched on that. Uh, you're not a sweets guy, so I'm not. A, I'm not even gonna go into the whole dessert. <laughs> I'm not gonna go into the dessert round. Oh, I can. I can hit you with the quick dessert though. Okay. If you're, if you're gonna give me dessert, give me a cannoli. Like it, oh, I'm, okay. I'm. I'm an Italian boy. I'm a nice <laughs> Italian boy. Give me a cannoli. There you go. Cannolis on deck. <laughs> there it is. Bruise Beats and Easter Podcast. As always, I'd like to thank my guest, Virgil, for taking the time, sitting down, and talking it up with me. I'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in yet another week. If you enjoyed what you heard, tell a friend. If you didn't enjoy it, tell an enemy. Tell somebody. It's Bruise Beats, the letter N eats. If you want to keep up with me on IG, the Gmail is the same. Um, look, 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 keep an eye out, man. Virgil, Spotify. Um, I'm sure iTunes got it too. Yes, sir. Go get go listen to timelines and get prepared for this EP that's dropping soon that's that's what that's my recommendation to you regardless I appreciate y'all tuning in Bruce B City's the podcast